This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. Hey docs, are you looking to learn how to become a physician leader? Then Physician CEO is for you. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program designed for physicians and developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. So learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. All right, Renee. So listen, I always look at our financial life before October of 2014 and then what happened afterwards. And the reason I bring that up is that is the date that we decided, or at least that's the month that we decided that we were going to jump and tackle our over $662,000 of student loan debt. That's when we decided that we're going to devote at least anywhere between 60 to 70% of our income intentionally to paying off debt. We were able to pay off our debt really quick. We thought it was going to take about five years. We ended up doing it in three years. And um, rather than talk about the the end goal, which was paying it all off, do you remember any time either before that point or during that point where you're like, yeah, we're not going to make this? I don't even think that I really thought about it. Really? You never got weak or anything like that? You mean... Like, we're not going to make this. Like, this is going to be a bigger struggle than I thought it was going to be. Um, no, I don't think that, I don't know. I don't think that I ever had a period of time where I thought we weren't going to, we weren't going to make it. I mean, we had a plan, right? We had a plan. And for me, I just felt like as long as we stuck to the plan, it should work. That was it. Yeah, I, I think from a mathematical standpoint, from a we used an Excel spreadsheet, if we follow this plan, this is going to work. I think I also was also cognizant of like this is human life. Anything could happen during that time. And I was also, you know, worried about that. And there were times where I was just like, Man, I don't know if this is really gonna work out. I don't know if we're really gonna get to the end goal, the way in which we are scheduled or the way in which we are planning for us to get to that point. So I was pretty nervous about it. But well. That's the difference between you and me, then. <laughs> Laugh as you may, but we we did get it. We did get it done. We did get it done. But I think In one of the three big... years because because you answered. I'm not on. I don't know what you're thinking. Go ahead. <laughs> In three years, because remember, you came home that day. And I said to you, listen, instead of five years, we could get this done in three years. And you had like the get out of here. Look on your face. You did not believe it. And I was like, no, like I called, you know, the, the loan servicer and I did the, I did the calculations. We can do it. Yeah. That's, that's so overall. Yes. I think what I'm just trying to get to is that we had each other, right. To Mm -hmm. rely on. There are certain things that you're good at. There's certain things that I'm good at. And there are times when I was just like, oh, man, I'm not sure if this is going to work. Obviously, halfway through it, I was like, okay, we got this. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, all, mm-hmm. we're almost on autopilot. But I think there's a lot of people out there right now who are listening and they may f- be thinking, well, I don't have a partner who's going to be able to coach right. me through this process. Right. I don't have 
a group of people. I don't even have anybody in my family who doesn't even understand, like, you know, I'm finishing professional school, I'm becoming a, a doctor, or I'm becoming a nurse, or whatever professional school I went to, and now I got all of this this debt in front of me, and I'm acting like I'm still in school, or maybe even worse than that, to pay off this debt. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. those those are the things that I think oftentimes we don't talk about. We just say, we've made a plan, and then three years later it gets done. Those are the right. things that I think we need to talk about more. So that's why I brought it up. And that actually leads us to our next guest, which is Dr. Carolyn Clarisme. She's actually a dentist in Manchester, New Hampshire, which somewhere up north. I don't know where the hell it is. But Clarisme. That's a Haitian name. That is a Haitian name. What Haitian doing in New Hampshire? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> she took the wrong plane. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we're going to learn not only about how she ended up in New Hampshire, <laughs> but we're, we're also going to talk about some of the key strategies of getting out of debt. And the reason why we're talking to her is she actually has a platform, a course called Doctors Out of Debt. And this is a platform that helps student doctors and doctors get out of debt as well as create, we've heard this before, but the generational wealth, right? Mm-hmm, the debt mm-hmm. that, or excuse me, the wealth that's going to go beyond just our generation and go on to hopefully your children's and their children's mm-hmm. type of wealth. So some of the things that we talk about is just getting to the basics of paying off debt, why it's important to understand the why of why you're trying to pay off your debt, as well as how goal setting is important. Right. Okay. We're also going to hear about how she got through the pandemic because she, you know, she's a dental dentist. Oh, she's a dentist. Yeah. She was not considered essential. So how did she get past? Did she have to go into her debt? Did she have to go into her 401k? How, you mean was she, into her savings. How was she able, did I say get into her debt? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, there you go. That's, that's another reason why we, we work well together. Right? <laughs> but anyhow, really quick, um, she graduated from dental school with over $250,000 of student loan debt. She was able to pay everything off. In four and a half years. Wow. But not only was she able to pay off the debt in that amount of time, she was also able to start uh, several businesses and become an entrepreneur. So we're going to hear a little bit about that. But more importantly, we're going to talk about the, you know, the power of her course, the power of what she teaches her students, and how you all who are listening can get out of debt, can find, I'd have to say, just you know, a group of people who can help you get out of there and go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sounds like it's going to be really interesting. Let's get into it. What's good, Dr. Caroline Clarisme? Welcome to Docs Outside the Box. How you doing? I'm doing well. So what's good is what I said to my doctors too. That's too funny. You say, say what's, what's good, good or you say sakpase? I, I say what's good. You sure? So for those who are listening, Dr. Clarisme is from Haiti. Um, my wife, uh, Renee, Dr. Renee, she's from Haiti also. And they speak Creole, obviously. And the way how you, I guess, introduce yourself to people or just say what's up to people, how we say what's up, how you doing, chilling, blah, blah, blah. You guys say sac passe. So that's what I was asking. Yeah. Is that what you say? No, I should say what's good. But I might need to switch it up now. So tell us, <laughs> so how do you introduce, like if you were to talk to me in Creole and just say, hey, what's up? How do you say that? So sakpase, and you would respond nabule. What does nabule say? It means so literally it means that we're burning, which makes no sense. It just means that we're doing good. Ah. But if, but I'm sure your wife told you that it makes no sense to say nabule because it means we're burning. But it just means it. I'm doing good. I love it. So listen, guys, when you listen to Docs Outside the Box, you're not going to just learn about money, mindset, and mission. You're also going to get an education in different languages that are out there. So, Dr. Caroline, thank you so much for that. Now, listen. Love it. 
Besides being an expert at Creole and being an expert as an amazing dentist, you also are a debt repayment strategist, right? So what that means is is basically you help doctors, you help veterinarians, you help pharmacists, you help professionals in general who have a lot of debt. You help them get out of it. So we have you on this show to talk about, you know, some of the strategies that people who are listening right now can kind of take for themselves and listen and find out how can they get out of debt and maybe even start to build a certain type of lifestyle that they may want, you know, do the whole generational wealth, quote unquote, that we always hear people talk about. So let's jump into this, right? So you got uh, students that you work with online virtually who are, like I just said, professionals who are trying to get out of debt and trying to get that lifestyle that they want. So let's jump into it. What's the key strategy that you teach them in terms of trying to get out of debt? The key strategy for me has been to show them exactly, on, for them to know exactly how much money they make and how much money they spend. So pretty much budgeting, the B word that we a lot of people don't like. Everybody hates so that word. Important. It's boring. But it, I know, but it's so important to actually know how much money you make, how much money you spend. And as dentists, um, sometimes it's hard for a few people because we, some, some dentists work as independent contractors, meaning you don't know if you're going to be seeing two patients that day or 20 patients. I didn't know that a dentist can, dentist can work 1099 also. Yes, yes some of them. And you get... Sometimes you get, um, you don't know if you're going to get paid on production, collection. You don't know. Mm. So again, if you're salaried, it's definitely easier to know how much money you make. But sometimes you don't know. It's very important to go back to your bank statements and look at exactly what you're spending. Look at your 1099s, your W2s, all, everything to actually know how much you're making. And what those numbers, again, there's nothing like budgeting to know exactly how much money extra that could be going towards debt or towards investing. And now, a word from our sponsor. Understanding how to run a business in medicine will put you at a unique advantage in the future. Whether it's leading a hospital, practice, or starting a new venture, the Physician CEO program will put you in focus from day one. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. The Physician CEO program provides an intensive MBA-style education made up of modules, with each module covering topics from leadership, to entrepreneurial ventures. Because of their individualized structure, each participant leaves the program with their one, three, and even five-year business plan, all designed to function in the real world. If you're a physician who is looking to start your own venture, lead your practice or department, or even start planning for succession out of medicine, then you can't afford to miss this opportunity. Class is filling up. Learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. You know, I, all right, I'm going to be honest with you. So I hated budgeting, just the whole concept of budgeting prior to me paying, prior to me and Renee paying off our debt. um, You know, as a resident, I was making like $45,000 a year. And for me, I was like, oh, I made it. And I would do like this mental math where, you know, I was just like, I'm sure I got the money to cover X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. Um, I'm just hoping that by the end of the month, I don't overdraft, right? Yes. Um, and I just continued that behavior after residency into fellowship. And then even early on in our in our marriage, I would just be like, you know, budget smudge it. Like, who wants to do a budget? I just feel like it's so restricting. restricting. But once we started to budget, I actually felt like it was freeing, right? Like mm-hmm. there was this less sweat that I had knowing that, okay, I know exactly where my money is going to. So I agree with what you're saying where it's important to know what's coming in. And just like it's important to know what's going out, but mm-hmm. like 
what do you do with that next? Like what, what's the next step after knowing what's coming in and what's coming out? Why so, is that so important for them? So the thing that's important too, is that a lot of people, they get, even my students um, during my course, sometimes they will come all overwhelmed and be like, I don't know how to budget. What do I do? So I tell them about what I did. So first I started with mint, mint.com. Mm, mint.com. A lot of, that, was, that was a starting point for a lot of people. It's nice. And I, I started using that in college actually. But even after dental school, I still used it. And that's took... cool me. How old are you? Because Mint's been out for what? a minute. Wait. <laughs> Can I answer that question? No, no, I can't. You see I can't my gray hair, right? No, 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 no. But wait, wait. Since college, I'm like waving to forty. Really? Okay. All right. I'm, I shouldn't ask. I should know my manners. But anyway, you've been using Mint <laughs> no, since you were forty. <laughs> but um, so Mint.com it really, really helps. It's a in people who don't know what Mint.com is. It's pretty much a budgeting software, and pretty much helps you to really see what you're spending every month, where your money's going every month. And it helps you set goals as well because goal setting is huge too. But some people don't like that because even at some point I'm like, you know what? Go to pen and paper. That's what works for me. So I would literally um, print a spreadsheet of all of my expenses. And I would go back to my bank statements probably three months, six months, just to see how much money I spent on every category. And then just look at my monthly income and then minus my expenses, I would give me a number. If I have a surplus, I'll just put that towards debt or investing. What do you think is the biggest it, culprit? For me, it was food. Like we were spending like, we would spend money at the hospital, which came out to like, I can't remember, but it was exorbitant. And then we would buy groceries, like which were perishables. And we weren't cooking it because we were at work all the time. So it's like, we're spending all this money on fast food at work. And then we're spending all this money, you know, to quote unquote cook at home and then they would all perish and it's like almost like 800 bucks a month of just either not healthy food or food that we just wasn't eating and stuff I know. for me it was food as well food and now amazon i don't know it's so easy <laughs> <laughs> everything on amazon and even one of my clients dr dahlia she um so when she we really went through the budgeting she was like oh my gosh i have been spending like a thousand dollars on food i didn't realize that so budgeting really helps because thanks to budgeting now, she's able, she was able to find some extra money to pay off the debt, to pay off more debt, to have a good emergency fund and even start investing in property. So budgeting mm. helps really. So, okay. So now that they're using um, either mint.com, so everybody, mint.com is a program that you you sign up. It's free. You connect your accounts to it, you know, whatever your bank account is or wherever you keep money, and then it can tell like how much money you're bringing in on what it is, what is income, and it can also tell what you're spending money on, and it will tell you like what's being, you know, what happens at the end of the month, and then go from there. Um, I think one of the more powerful things from just budgeting in general, or just keeping track of what you're spending, is you start to realize like, do I really need to spend X on Y, right? Like, do I need to really spend like 800 bucks on groceries when it's just me? by myself or just me and my spouse or me. And like you start to have to look at certain things and realize, okay, well, you know, maybe can we get away with $600 a month on food and then use that additional $200 for an emergency savings plan? Or maybe I can not spend so much on gas, you know, and do this, right? Is that, is that kind of, am I saying it right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And even everything has to go on the, but even my student loan balances, I will put that. Actually, I'll tell you a story. One day I was driving down 93 North. I'm in the Northeast. I was um, driving down 93 North. And I realized that, wait, it's like, uh, I had a light bulb moment out of nowhere. So you mean to tell me 
if instead of spending 3000 5000 6000 towards my student loans on Salome, I could be putting that money towards the stock market or crowdfunding, syndication, any other avenues pretty much, and that could double or whatever it is my money. So for me, that was definitely like, okay, I am done. <laughs> I'm done with all this debt. So again, just to show you, budgeting will definitely push you to achieve your goals even quicker. So what did you do? Because I'm, I'm really interested. So did you aggressively pay off your debt or did you... Um, did you pay off your debt and also invest or did you did slow both. down? Okay. So tell us, tell us the plan that you did. Like, how did you manage? Cause that oftentimes becomes an issue for people where they're like, well, yeah, you know, I want to pay off my debt, but my debt may be 2%. Like, so some of the OGs like us who went to med school in the early 2000s, you could consolidate your debt, right? So, yes. you know, if you're paying off debt at 2%, maybe you can not go aggressive and try to save more or mm-hmm. buy some property. So talk to us. What'd you do? So I had $250,000 in student loans in, in 2011 from Tufts. And I got a, salary, uh, a job at the health center that was less than six figures. Crazy. I know I was like, this doesn't add up. <laughs> this doesn't add up. How am I going to do so that? So the folks who are now like watching on YouTube, you should have <laughs> just seen my eyes. Like, wait, what? I thought it was guaranteed that dentists make six figures. Now they do. But 10 years ago, no. Really? What? No. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. And I was like, okay, this doesn't. Add up. I have to figure this out. So I realized that there's go so find them cavities. Many, yes, <laughs> there's so many options out there, though. Mm-hmm. So many loan payment programs. There's refinancing. There's so many options out there that you can do. Um, so for me, I did loan payment options. So I got fifty thousand dollars working at a health center for two years. I was able to put that towards the debt and also aggressively paying as well. But I still invested. You must still invest. Would you invest? I mean, in? Talk to us about that. Stock market. Mm-hmm. So you wanted That's to stock market. stock market. Yes. Okay. And also a little bit. And then crowdfunding was a little bit later when I was pretty much done. But stock market. When oh, you yes. say crowdfunding, what is that? Explain that to people. So is that like crowdfunding for real estate? For real estate, exactly. If you're not. Because real estate can be a little bit expensive. Yes, they always say that you can start investing in real estate with little to no money down. Um, but there are other ways where you don't need to have a bunch of money to invest in real estate. Crowdfunding, you can start. I think it's about $1,000 minimum and you start um, investing and then you start um, enjoying the passive income quarterly, sometimes even every month. I get that, that little email, you've been paid, you've been paid. It's the best thing ever. Mm. Now, uh, so so for the folks who work with you or the people who come and they approach you, I know you mentioned that there are times where you have students who don't know what to do. They don't even know where to start. They feel overwhelmed. How do you get them to, even before budgeting, how do you get them to kind of just take a deep breath and just say, okay, this is where I need to go or this is where I am and this is where I need to go, right? Because I'm sure it's more than just paying off debt. How do you get them to what they really want? Talk to us about that. That like, So goal reasoning. setting is yeah. very important because everybody will say, I want to be out of debt. I want to be out of debt. But why? Because out of debt is not. So let's say like if right now you are debt free, what are you going to be doing? So just to show you, it's not the, the end goal. What is your end goal? Is it just to reduce your hours from dentistry or medicine? Do you want to just retire from dentistry or medicine? Do you want to um, have passive income, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars every month? Because all that is gonna help you to really see how you can pay off the debt quicker. It's gonna show you how made, how you can even pay the, de- the debt. Are you gonna use loan repayment programs, PSLF, um, passive income from real estate, 
should we be investing a little bit more aggressively so you can have even more passive income to apply towards student loans and reinvest the money at the same time? There's so many ways to um, pay off the debt. But again, it's so important to know where you're going. What is your vision? What is your goal? Again, yeah. debt freedom is, I mean, debt freedom is where is great, but it's never the end goal. There's always something else that you want to do yeah. when you are debt free. Yeah, I agree with that. I think from us, why, our why was... Um, we, we, you know, my wife, as you already know, she's from Haiti, but you know, you know, like immigrant families are very close, right? And my family's from Ghana and because we couldn't afford to live in the New York, New Jersey area, we had to move out like in the really far out and we just wanted to be closer to home. Um, but also at the same time, we wanted more control of our career. And we felt mm. like if we had this huge debt on our back, there's certain compromises that we just would have to make in order to make sure that we had a constant income coming in. So that was our why. And I think it's important for the audience to know that, you know, what Dr. Cloresme is saying is excellent, right? Like there's going to be times where you get weak. There's going to be times where you feel like it's not worth it. There's going to be times where you're just like, what is the end goal of this? And you have to fall back on your why. Like, I just want to be closer to family or I just want to build some type of, I want to have something where I can reduce my hours, like getting out of debt or saving or whatever this is, you got to have that big why, that big vision statement. So um, I, I love that. So, you know, here's one thing that I know you, you, you specifically say that you want to help people build generational wealth. First of all, what is generational wealth? And talk to us, like, how do you start that? So generational wealth is wealth that you can pass down to your kids, grandkids, and you just keep going down. And if they're deserving, right? Because some kids are crazy, right? <laughs> like they better be deserving. <laughs> That's too funny. Research has shown that usually after the fourth generation, the wealth does not go down to the next generation. So it's very important to not just pass down the wealth, but also pass down the financial literacy. So, and I think um, that's another reason why I studied um um, writing children's books and I'm gonna I have a children's book coming out um, talking to pretty much showing kids how to have financial literacy it's called Lily I have a daughter her name is Olivia I nicknamed her Lily so it's called Lily in the piggy bank it's a pretty so name pretty much, Olivia thank you so showing literally every single step to get to generational wealth because it's so important to not just pass down the wealth but also the financial literacy how do you why should we you get out of that quicker um, why should you invest in real estate and the stock market and cryptocurrency? All of well, like, why should you have a different diversified portfolio? All those things. Um, and generational wealth is key to be able to have, to me at least, to have financial peace. You know, because what's, what's the first step? To- what's the first step for generational wealth? What, what is that? Is that like like what are we talking about? Like are we talking about like like you have to get property because you know a lot of people like they might be born into that like where their parents got money and they don't have to worry about, you know, certain things because their parents may pass money on to them. But let's talk about people who don't have much. Like, what does that mean when like, what are we talking about? Like, are we talking about one time your salary, two times your salary, three times? What what are we talking about here? So again, it depends on where you are in your career. What is your risk tolerance and what your age? There are a few things. Okay. But again, Never invest in just one thing. Never just invest in Bitcoin just because all of your friends are investing in Dr. Bitcoin. Carolyn, you want no, Bitcoin to- is on fire, yo. Come on. Come I on. know, but Come don't on. just invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> also invest in the stock market. You, If you're a doctor, and well, I know that sounds petty, but I always say if you have a pulse, you need to invest in real estate. And I, whoever has heard me talk, I always say millions of millionaires have become millionaires because of real estate. Invest in real estate, period. Okay. And I know a lot of people, they're like, no, it's too much headache. No, there's so many ways to invest in real estate. You can have a property, 
You can do syndication. You do, can do crowdfunding. You can do short-term rentals. There's so many ways. You can invest in REITs. R-E-I-T-S. Yes. So many ways. Yeah, so there's many ways you can make it happen yes. where you become a property owner. It's yes. not just buying a property and then the no. whole notion, oh, I don't want to deal with a, with a toilet leak at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's not like that, folks. It's not like that at all. Well, let's, 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 let's jump into... Um, with you, because I, I think oftentimes it's not just giving advice. It's like, yo, how do you live your life, right? So you <laughs> are a dentist. You are in New Hampshire, I believe. Yes. Right? Like, what you doing up there anyway? But anyway, you're in, New, you're in New Hampshire. It's probably like 30, 20 degrees right now. But listen, <laughs> during a pandemic, technically dentists were not considered essential workers. So sis, mm. how'd you do this? How much savings did you have to go into to make it work? Oh, I didn't have to do any of that. Come on, um, talk to me. Talk so, to me. I know you had to use savings to pay the mortgage or something because you're not bringing an in income. Talk to us. No, but that's the thing. When you invest, when you started investing a little bit early, you just enjoy the passive income from tenants. That's what I did. I was, I didn't work for three months, minimum three months. And I had no worry, really no worry because I know those tenants were paying. And I have several properties. So they were paying every single month. Every single month I was enjoying let me actually say enjoying, but <laughs> I was um, relying on the passive income without lifting a finger. How and many properties property do you own right now? Six. Yeah, six properties. Yeah. So you, so you obviously were not bringing income in um, from being a dentist during that time because Mm-mm. your clinic had to be. We closed. could not work. We were closed. So you, so you were able to live off of um, the income or the passive income that you got mm-hmm. from. So I used your that tenants. income to for living expenses and of course to even reinvest because you know the stock market was down at, at some point so i went shopping in the stock market oh you know and that's the beauty of it too don't just use the passive income to spend you still want to reinvest the money because your goal is oh i guess my goal is generational wealth so i would still want to have that wealth building up accumulating Okay. So that's All right. Well, cool. You put your money where your mouth is. All right. Listen, l- tell me about Dr. Yu, because I know you use that as an example. So Dr. Yu is a mother of three and she was mm-hmm. able to pay off almost, she was able to pay off exactly $537,875,000. Once again, I'm going to say it again, $537,875,000 of student loan debt in four years, mm-hmm. right? Of four she years. She beat. She almost beat me yeah. and Renee, actually. But technically, she did because she did it by herself, yes. if this is what you're saying. And she mm-hmm. was a mother of three. So mm-hmm. give me very briefly how she was able to do this to pay off almost almost $550,000 of student loan debt in four years. How was she able to do that? Um, she, okay, I know, I know a lot of people don't like to hear, but it's mindset. She was focused. She was like, this is what I want to do. She was like, I want to pay this off by the time I'm 40. She was like, wait, wait, she didn't pay this up before she was 40? Yes. Damn. Okay, keep going. Yes. I'm listening. Okay. So All she right. was like, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, so these are the steps. So I showed her exactly where she could be putting some more money from, where she could be investing to get some more passive income, um, whether PSLF was good for her or the loan implement programs she could be using. Because sometimes what, what did she use? Did she use PS, did she use PSLF or did she use did she do normal repayment? Would she and or re, re normal uh, repayment and then refinancing? So she there refinanced her loans people. also. Oh, yes. Okay. Refinancing is a huge thing that I wish I had known right after graduating from dental school. Um, because even me, I, w- I refinanced my loans. I went from 79 to 1.9%. 
people are sleeping on refinancing when they should be refinancing their loans at some point. It what, helps what was, so what, much. What was her? What was her made? Did you realize when you were talking to her first? What was the major issue at first? Was she not managing her money correctly, or was she just starting to make this money? And then, she, like, talk to us about how she, she was from, just yeah. starting, but she wasn't sure how to tackle it because five hundred, even three hundred something—that's a lot of debt. She's like, "How do I even start tackling all that?" And I really showed her exactly. This is how much you should be spending towards food and utilities because that's an amount that we shouldn't be going over when it mm-hmm. comes to food, utilities, mortgages, childcare. But sometimes as doctors, we think that we should, mm-hmm. but we really shouldn't, especially if we're trying to get out of that. So I pretty much gave her the doctors out of that formula. This is how much money that you should, like you shouldn't be spending more of that money towards food, towards utilities, towards transportation, towards childcare. And also put your money to work for you other ways to invest. Um, sometimes, and even for her, I use that too. You can have an office somewhere and then NH- you can become an NHSC branch. And then, and then you can have students under you that can be NHSC recipient. Do you know what NHSC is? No. Can you explain that, please? So pretty much that's when you have <laughs> the um, National Health Service Corps. Okay. And pretty much you get money um, from um, the government too because you work or live um, in somewhere that's rural, they, they can give some money. Sometimes it can be $50,000 per month, $75,000 per month. Some people, if it's like in Maine or Vermont, it's going to be higher numbers because people don't really want to be there. But it's something to look into. Definitely you have to look into that if you can have a facility, a clinic that can become an NHSC branch. If you can become a little hospital and become a, um, a location to have NHSC recipients. Wait, That's what? Oh, yeah. snap, yo. This is what yes. I'm talking about. This is, I like this. All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. So so she she refinanced, she started paying off her debt, and she was mm-hmm. better with budgeting. What mm-hmm. else did she do? And she refinanced. And that's the thing, too. Refinance several times. You don't have to just refinance one time. That's something that's important to know. And your debt-to-income ratio needs to be low. Mm, A lot of lenders are going to tell you 40% and it's to be as close as possible to 23% to have the best interest rate and to not have to have to go through a co-signer. Okay. All right. So that that was a big thing as well. So explain real quick the debt to income ratio. So pretty much you look at your debt and your income. And there's so many, even if you go on nerdwallet.com, they'll tell you if you go on and you type debt to income ratio, and they'll, they'll show you exactly how you can calculate that. It's pretty much all of your debt divided by, uh, by your income. It's going to give you a number. You want that number to be at 40% or less. If Damn. you're closer to 23%, even better. Dr. Clarisme yeah. coming with the knowledge, yo. I love it. I love it. I love it. Listen, before we send you out here, I got one last question for you. I want you to answer this really quickly. So when you see folks who work with you, what's the biggest issue when you first start working with them? Is it the debt that's a bigger issue? Is it a budgeting issue or is it they're not bringing enough income? Talk to us. What are those? What is the major issue out of those three things? Budgeting. Budgeting. Okay. All right. Yes. So you either that's recommend true. mint.com um, or using pen and paper or using Excel spreadsheet and just kind of, hey, look, this is what I bring in. This is what my liabilities yes. and let's try to decrease the amount of liabilities I have and go after yes. that. I love it. I love it. Listen, Dr. Mm-hmm. Caroline Clarisme, listen, this was dope. This is great. I love this. If people want to work with you, let's say they want to take your course. Let's say they want to, they, they see debt as insurmountable and they heard you and they're like, I want to work with her. How do they get in touch with you? Doctors out of debt. Doctors out of debt.com. I have so my course is coming in January 12, 2022, 10 week program. And so let me say that 
I'm not tooting my own horn, but okay, here we go. The, the students have had results while in the program. They did not understand how they could just start paying off the debt, start investing at the same time. So I give her, I give them pretty much everything. We all of my resources, resources to my um, accountants, tax people, um, financial advisors, um, real estate people, everything. Um, it's it's amazing, really, and they can really have the steps and clarity to be able to go out, get out of that and create generational wealth and true generational wealth, not just being flashy, true generational wealth. Not just having um, a Lamborghini. I got you. Like <laughs> actually like dying and being able to give like two additional generations yes. your money. I got it. I got it. Listen, Dr. Peace. Listen, Dr. Clarisme, this was dope. I appreciate you coming on Docs Outside the Box. I just have one request. If we have some questions from guests who have some questions, will you come back on and answer them in the future? Sure thing. I will. And in the it. meantime, Doctors Out of Dead on Instagram, Facebook, or doctorsoutofdead.com. There it is. Thank you, Dr. Clarisme. Thank you so much for having me. And there it is. That's a wrap. So listen, let's quickly talk about our takeaways from this episode. This was a really... Good talk with Dr. Clarisme. Mm -hmm. So look, I think for me, the takeaway, or at least the takeaways that I have is when you have a bunch of debt and you're by yourself or you may not have that group of people who are around you, the biggest thing is you may feel overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the the first and basic things that you may feel. And you feel like you're never going to get out of that debt. And I really think that in these type of situations, the most important thing is to always begin with what are your whys? Why do you want to get out of debt? Yeah. Why are you in this situation? And I think that the first three steps of anything after that is laying out your assets and your income and putting that like in a spreadsheet or in a Word document and putting that against what your liabilities and what your bills are. Mm-hmm. Just starting off as simple as that. So go from your whys. Then the next thing is let's talk about your assets, your income. Put that against what your liabilities and your bills are. And then also from there, create a realistic budget. It ain't got to be perfect, but just a realistic budget of how you're going to pay off this debt and what your ins and outs are going to be for the month. And then the next step after that, I think, is you always are going to need encouragement. You're going to need to be around people who are like you. We were in a similar situation like mm-hmm. that where yeah. I don't think anybody in our family was really no, down not with what we were all. doing. <laughs> I don't think we had any friends who were down with what we we're doing. And we yeah. definitely didn't have any colleagues in our surrounding Immediate area. circle, yeah. So I, I always bring it back to virtual mentorship, podcasts, YouTube videos, social media, TikToks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Be around those people. Have them around you every day and listen to them so that they can encourage you to pay off your debt or pay off your debt in a way that's responsible. And then stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. Stick to the plan. And then if it's not working, don't be afraid to change. Yeah. No, I I definitely had actually a couple of takeaways. I was going to mention one takeaway, but I think I'm going to piggyback off something that you said, which is, you know, when you when you kind of talked about like the first step, you know, and part of that first step of, you know, figuring out your budget and, you know, figuring out what your liabilities and your expenses and all those things are, is not to be afraid to do that. I think a lot of people are afraid to look at their budget, look at what they're actually bringing in, right? Like how many people actually to the cent can say how much money they bring in um, every month, 
right, with between the two or one paycheck they may get a month. So don't be afraid to look at those things because that's the only way that you're going to be able to confront what's going on with you financially. But the other thing that I was going to say was that I was struck by the fact, the story that she told about her driving in her car and realizing that she was putting debt or she was putting money towards debt, but that money could have been put towards something else. And, and you know, that seems very logical. That seems like a very logical thing. But I don't know that everybody realizes that. I think people just look at debt as, well, it's just another expense. They don't necessarily look at it as, well, I don't necessarily have to pay this for the rest of my life. I don't have to pay it on the schedule that the loan office, the 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 loan servicer, is um, is saying that I should pay it, and so I if I pay that off faster, I could use that money towards towards other things that actually serve my purpose. So again, going back to your why, like why are you doing this? Yeah, because I can tell you right now that suggested payoff has nothing to do with the why for you. That suggested right. payoff has something to do with the why for Sally Mae, Navient. Yep, is in their interest. So I think those are great points. I think these are great takeaways. So y'all, hopefully y'all love this episode and you jive with what we're saying in this. Uh, let us know what you think, and uh, we'll go from there. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace. Peace.